Hello and welcome to the Image Doctors Photography Podcast. I'm Jason O'Dell. And I'm Rick Walker. And it's good to be with you and it's good to be back with you, Rick. Um, happy end of March. We're like a third of the quarter of the way through the year. What the heck? Yeah, and, and we're past the point where we would have to say beware the Ides of March. So The Ides are done. That seems good. Yeah, you know, um, you've got you know issues with backstabbers that could be a problem but normally we're we're pretty good there um and i was looking like last week was like our 180th episode or something like that i can't remember precisely of the reboot of of since we rebooted yeah because we had so you like, have to add 150 to that yeah was, yeah That's we had a, a lot. we we had 180 episodes of our reboot since we started this back up again a couple of years ago. So that's quite a few. We're going to have to do something. Uh, we'll have to do something special. I don't know. Have Do, have, do nothing? Well, we'll, I mean, we'll, we'll, have, we'll have a camera jump out of a cake or something. Okay. Like that. There you go. <laughs> I don't know what we can do. But uh, we're thinking of things to, to, to make things more interesting for our listeners. Um, this week, what are we going to talk about? Well, uh, we're going to talk about several things. Um, we um, have a new photo safari um, coming out up at Rocky Mountain National Park. We'll talk a little bit about that. And you were just up in that area mm-hmm. just for a fun few days, Nestas Park area at the Stanley Hotel. My wife and I have gone up there too. We'll chat a little bit about, you know, what's fun up there and what that experience is like because it is kind of cool. And then we've got another uh, photographer spotlight. Uh, this week on Vivian Mayer or Meyer or actually several other names. Really interesting one. Um, fascinating story and, and wonderful photographer. And a few of our listeners suggested her and yeah, we, had already, and we had already kind we of were already identified there. it. Yeah, but yeah, we went there quickly good. on our own. But it was nice to, to get that confirmation of interest. And so that should do it. Well, oh, be- I guess we were going to talk about one new product announcement that at least i've been able to play with a little bit and we'll do that toward the start yes but before we get going since Mm -hmm. well we're recording it today um by the time you hear this it'll be later in the week but today happens to be world backup day um and so um earlier this week i presented a a webinar free one uh, about backup strategies for photographers and honestly if you don't have a backup plan right now and you're you're going to have issues oh my god um so one one thing you can do uh one thing you can do is if you go to my website luminescentphoto.com and just hit the youtube link at the top of the page um it's on my youtube channel the replay of the webinar so you can just watch that um and get an idea for what i'm doing i know we both use a variety of backup solutions Mm -hmm. including local you know backup drives or time machine Um, but we both also use a product called backblaze which is a mm-hmm. cloud storage product. Works and great. It's it's really, I found it to be the real lifesaver for photographers because we've got just gobs of data. Um, you know, the average person doesn't generate tremendous volume of of you know megabytes, gigabytes, terabytes worth of data. But I mean, my main hard drive is fourteen terabytes. And trying to back that up through conventional ways would be really hard. You have to keep buying bigger and bigger disks and, you know, especially things like incremental backups. And 
one of the reasons I like Backblaze is that it 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 saves those snapshots um, by default for up to a month. Or you can I just upgraded my subscription actually to a year. That's what I do. Worth of so I could go back through a year of archives and find a file, maybe not even a file that you deleted, but a file that you accidentally saved over or changed, and you wanted to go back to an earlier version of that file. A product like Backblaze will let you do that along with some other things that do incremental backup. So check that out. Like I said, it's over on my, my personal website. And, and this is not a commercial. We don't have a no. relationship with them. We just both like No, we them. just use the product. The, the so. only caveat on it I would put is just understand what kind of upload speed you have. Yes, because it is web It's internet requirement. Um, and, and if it's not quick... I would do the math, you know, based on how much storage you have and the upload speeds, but it can take a while. And, and listen, Andy, if you're listening, we know, we get it. <laughs> we, we know that you're out there and your internet sucks. So we get that. But, yeah. but if you've got a decent um, upload speed, this can work. Even if it takes a few weeks, maybe to back up your initial state mm -hmm. after that, it's pretty fast. Um, yeah. After you get your initial backup done, you, you don't really even notice it. And it, it just kind of happens quickly. Right, because it's incremental at that point. But just yeah. thought I would mention that for, for World no, Backup it's a good Day. It's a, it's a good, you know, now's a good time to think about, you know, maybe getting a newer, you know, replacing old hard drives with larger, faster ones. You know, there's never a bad time to, it's never a bad time to think about that because hard drives do fail and will fail. I've had it happen to me. I'm sure you've had it happen to you. So yes, everyone will have it happen to them at some point so the question is is that when your hard drive fails are you really freaking out or you is it just an inconvenience because you need to get another drive and download your backup mm -hmm. i would much rather be in the latter category which is hey this is going to be a little bit of short-term pain but no big deal because i got all my data safe versus oh my god i just lost all my photos mm -hmm. and trust me you don't want to spend money on data recovery services that is expensive as heck yeah, they're out there, but you don't want to have to use that. No. Anyway, um, let's talk about Estes Park. Yeah, it's a place in Colorado. We've mentioned it before. It's right it, next to Rocky Mountain National Park. That's exactly right. In fact, most people who go there, that's probably why they're going there. Um, there's two reasons to go to Estes Park. One is Rocky Mountain National Park. The other is the famous Stanley Hotel, which if you aren't aware of that is where uh stephen king got the inspiration for the shining now the movie was not filmed there nope they did a uh tv miniseries of it though in the like early 90s that was filmed there stephen but, king wrote part of it in one of the rooms there at the stanley yeah he stayed in room 217 which was right below where we stayed <laughs> i was there with my partner and we brought our cameras and we started taking pictures and we had a really good time and thinking about travel blog style photography and enjoying the, the whiskey bar and the wine bar. And the, and we took one yeah. of the tours, the shining tour, and they've got a room that's made up to look just like the, the original, you know, like that room from the movie. It's very cool. Yeah. The iconic green bathroom, right. You know, and the, the tour we went on when we were there just a few years ago was their standard one. Um, at the time, they also had one that was more ghost oriented I didn't think my wife would like that one in particular, but it turns out even the standard one is They're all, loaded with ghosts and yes. stuff. We learned about all the fun. various residents of the Stanley yeah. um, throughout time. Yeah, uh, but it's a cool place. Beautiful, too. 
yeah it's, I, and i had fun doing photography there it, well. it's a very cool spot it was built in the early 1900s i think they finished it in 1909 or something like that had to get renovated pretty serious it was pretty decrepit apparently by by the late by the 80s uh, it was really falling apart yeah, they had to put it, it back together but it's it's okay now um, and you can stay there it's not cheap but it's it's a fun thing it's an experience to do if you ever want to go there or you can just go and take the tour um food was great highly recommend uh the experience it's pretty fun yeah. um so as a side trip we drove over to rocky mountain national park which right now is under quite a bit of snow <laughs> the roads were <laughs> mostly open not the not the high ridge road but the trail ridge road but the we were able to get up to bear lake and walk on it <laughs> because it's frozen over same with some of the other locations which um we actually did as a a photo safari together in 2009 mm -hmm. it was and we've been up there a bunch since but but i haven't done any did a joint one yeah, yeah and i i did a couple i did i did a few more uh 2011 and, and uh 12 and then in 2013 there was a massive mudslide in estes park it was just ridiculous flooding and raining and threw a wrench into everything and between that and some other factors just kind of stopped going there um but it's a beautiful place um and in the fall it's kind of the i honestly think the fall is probably the best time to go there wouldn't you say yeah clearly for i mean for different reasons but for the the colors are really pretty and um, the summer is nice, um, but it's not as interesting photographically. And the park gets very crowded with just general tourists. Extremely crowded. And if there's one elk somewhere, you can be backed up for hours on certain one, you know, yeah. two lane roads. Um, and if you tried hitting late spring, early summer, there's just too much snow still in portions yeah. of the park that are interesting. Right. And one of the challenges in summer is that it's going to be, you know, really early to get to one of those places in time for sunrise. So falls easier for a lot of reasons, but you've got the elk in their riding season. You've got a lot of wildlife and that's cool to see. And you've got fall colors and aspens and you can do alpine lakes and the traditional stuff. So we've put together a uh, an itinerary um, and we've got dates. Um, what are we looking at, Rick? October 1st through 5th. Okay. So, so the first a is a Sunday. Very nice amount of shooting. The first is a Sunday and we'll, we'll have um, uh, three and a half days of, of uh, shooting, which is plenty there because we'll have morning and afternoon. One of the days will include driving over Trail Ridge Road, which goes like, what, 14,000 feet or something like, or 12,000 feet. It's pretty high, but it yeah. goes all the way over to the other side of the park to a place called Grand Lake. And we'll which go, is very pretty and we'll go over there and then you know we'll have a lot of roadside shooting so the nice thing about a trip like this is that uh there's a diversity of subjects so we'll have landscape we'll have some wildlife beautiful landscapes and opportunistic wildlife definitely want to bring 100 to 400 or something like that yeah it's it's very easy to photograph the elk sometimes you can see moose i've done fairly well in recent years but they're harder marmots pike marmots all, those are always fun so that's that's opportunities there um of course we're going to be there for ask us anything so we'll mm -hmm. be there to to set you guys up and you know our job is to put our clients into a position to succeed right i mean 
that's the idea being in the right places at the right times. We both shot here uh, uh, enough that we know where to go and when to be there. And yep. that's, that's certainly part of it. So that information um, is, is out there. Um, it'll be on my website shortly. I haven't made the official announcement. Um, people who are subscribers to my newsletter email will get this announcement as well. And then we'll have it on our Facebook page as well. Exactly. Now we are going to limit this to eight, eight participants maximum. So that's for a couple of reasons, but not the least of which is it just the experience is better with a smaller group. Yeah. Um, so you'll have no more than a, a four to one client to instructor ratio, if you want to consider it that way. Yeah. So that should be fun. I'm looking it forward to, to doing that one. And, uh, you know, it's a, it, like I said, it's a really glorious place to visit in, in the fall. And usually that's our nicest weather, too, um, out here in mm-hmm. Colorado. It tends to be pretty nice. So mm-hmm. um, so follow up and go check our Facebook page to get that link when you uh, get this episode in your inbox or when you listen to it. It will be a, a good time. Yep. Uh, oh, and it's also discounted if you register between now and the end of April. So you can save a little money. Act so. now. So very quick product thing, and I'm going to make this very quick because I haven't had time to fully explore it, but it looks good so far. On One came out with a new plugin that can work with um, Photoshop, with Lightroom, I think Capture One, um, called SkySwap AI 2023. And basically what they've done is they've extracted the sky replacement module out of their photo raw product and are selling it separately. And from what I've seen, it's a nice product. I'll be honest, sky replacements are something I don't really do. So I was just looking at it um, for curiosity sake, but um, it it does a nice job with auto masking and everything. And then seems to have a pretty good set of skies that you can start with and you can shoot your own and add to it, which can be a smart idea. Um, but from what I've seen so far, it looks like a nice one if you have a need for it. And I think the, mm-hmm. the ideal candidates would be people using predominantly Lightroom, Photoshop a little bit. Photoshop does have a capability of doing some of this. This is just a little bit simpler and more elegant. So if you're using one of those workflows, it would make sense. If you already have on one photo rod, don't get it because you've already got it. And Luminar has right. got a similar capability. Mm-hmm. So I would say skip it if you have Luminar. This is really good for if you're doing sort of commercial types of photography or advertising Mm -hmm. or real estate, where you just need to make a composite where you need a better sky. Right. Um, I actually have a set shameless self-promotion, but if you want long exposure looking skies, you know, with stretched out clouds, I actually Mm -hmm. have a series of those available on my website that you could download. And, and then import those, you can import product. those and you can make it look like you did a long exposure yeah. in the sky because you have the streaking clouds. And it's a set of, I don't know, maybe 15 or so different ones. I can't remember how many there yeah. are. But again, we have no relationship with On One, but it looks like a nice product. And we both um, use their uh, portrait plugin, and that works great. This is very similar. All right. Okay, then. Vivian. Uh, yeah, let's talk about this because she's an interesting this is character. Fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
Vivian Mayer, she was uh, born in uh, 1926 and passed away in 2009. And she was American, but but her parents were um, European. I think like her mom was from uh, France. Fran- France and her father was Austrian. So she spent a lot of her childhood going back and forth to like France and, and the United States and actually had to learn English a little bit from from things like the movies and things like that. Um, and she's re- renowned as a street photographer, but nobody knew who she was. She did not exist. She was not a photographer in the sense that anyone knew who she was. And she did the mo- bulk of her work in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, mostly black and white, mostly medium format or larger format using Raleigh Flex cameras. And then later, Leicas and things like that uh, with with Ektachrome color slide film. But uh, she just took pictures. <laughs> that was what she did. And no she was a nanny. Her. She was a she a was housekeeper. She was described as kind of being like a Mary Poppins. Um, and she just kind of walked around and took pictures when she and, was living in Chicago, mostly. But and at other. one point in the seventies, she was. Phil Donahue's housekeeper, if you're familiar with Phil Donahue. It's <laughs> just bizarre. But so, I remember when her stuff got publicized, which I guess it came out really more so in 2008 and nine. Yeah, about 2009 was really mm-hmm. when, when it started yeah. to go mainstream. So what happened was she had a, she liked taking pictures and she did effectively what we would call street photography, very good street photography, mm-hmm. but presumably she was just self-taught she just went around and i would say it was superb photography yeah outstanding uh that nobody knew existed why it was because for the most part early on she would develop her own film and maybe make some prints in her uh bathroom dark room but then she didn't live in that apartment anymore she didn't have the private space so what happened was she had all these rolls of film either negatives that never got printed or in some cases just rolls of unprocessed uh, film sitting in storage lockers to the tune of tens of thousands of images. I think the, the, her inventory was 150,000 images. I think you're right. I mean, yeah. And, and so a funny thing had happened. She had to storage a couple of storage lockers. Um, and it was in, this was in Chicago. Um, and this is where she had a bunch of this stuff just sitting there. And for whatever reason, she failed to keep up the payments on one of these. And this contents got aux- literally auctioned off. And someone who was a photo enthusiast, um, uh, this was uh, notably John Maloof, but you know, these collectors, they saw all this stuff. So they bought it and they kind of just had this, oh my gosh, moment when they looked at this stuff, you know, a, a ton of these things were un- unprocessed films. So they're, doing this and they started making these prints and then she passed away in um uh what did we say 2009 so literally she passes away and here's this body of work that never really was for anyone except for her own personal uh uh pleasure i guess whatever you want to call it you know just yeah nothing nothing wrong with that no i mean but the antithesis of today's let me put this on instagram as soon as i can take a picture of my food right i mean totally different so then they started looking through this stuff and and they put it i think on Flickr, and all of a sudden it went viral and just whoa who is this person and well guess what she's 
already gone. She's left us. She never published any of that stuff while she was living. It was just for her. Um, so this is just amazing because when you look at the photos, they're frankly outstanding. They're, you know, they're predominantly street photography and it's as good as anything out there. Period. And it's, it's awesome stuff. It's, it's kind of amazing because it's all kind of how it, if when I try to do street photography, it's, it's kind of like that style where you just happen to be capturing pictures and the subject probably doesn't even know they're being photographed. Mm-hmm. People from behind, kids playing in the street, um, you know, or in the park. And I think she could get away with this because she was, so if you, if you're familiar with a, a, it was the Raleigh flex, right? The twin lens camera and it's got the pop-up view screen, right? So you can kind of hold it at waist level. Yeah, you can you with a rolly you can be pretty covert in your shooting. Yeah, because you're not holding something up to your face. No. There's no big, you know, you're just kind of holding a box, is literally really what it looks mm-hmm. like. In fact, she's got an entire series of self-portraits, usually through mirrors or reflections and glass or whatever, of her. And you can so you can see how she was shooting on the street. And it makes sense. It, it absolutely makes sense that you could be far more clandestine in, in your shooting. Mm-hmm. Um I don't think she was an intimidating looking person either. No, that probably you know, from helps. the photos, you know, so that, that helps, but and, her and, sense know. of composition and timing and just recognizing interesting scenes that were just happening right before her eyes, you know, very quickly, it was remarkable. Well, and you can kind of tell, cause like a lot of these photos um, and I'm, I'm looking at through her portfolios on, um, her website, which is vivianmayer.com. And you can see her street photos and a bunch of other things, but it's like the people in these photos really don't know that they're being photographed. Right. I mean, and that that's how it looks like to me, maybe, you know, a few but by and large, it's just people on the street walking by. And I think that's something that you could do more easily in a big city like a Chicago or in New York. Um, you know, sure. that, you know, or where, you know, and if you've ever been in New York City, as we both have, the locals tend to tune you out. You know, you can always tell who the tourists are because they're the ones looking up at the buildings and, mm-hmm. <laughs> in the skyscrapers, right? About to get run over. Correct. Yeah. Um, so it's just, it's just really wild um, the photos that she has, and and they're, you know, whether it was the, you know, being medium format, having a little extra detail, you know, it was nicer to have that larger format. Um, but the richness of the black and white just really comes out, you know, deep mm-hmm. blacks that, that, uh, that style. Um, so it's, it's an interesting question. You know, a lot of the stuff was, was developed and certainly printed posthumously. So it's like, how would she have wanted it printed? Um, although I would think that most street photography subjects lend themselves to more sort of simple processing. Yeah. Know, just straight ahead stuff. So, so I think that that certainly works. Um, <clears throat> I mean, there's a picture that there she is at the premiere of Spartacus in 1960, and there's Kirk Douglas, <laughs> <laughs> and he's just walking through in his tux. You know, he's just walking out, and she happens to have a photo of this. Like, okay, how did you get this? You know, this is really cool. So, some of it's just being in the right place at the right time, but it it really inspires me to, you know certainly try to 
get out there more. I just don't do enough street photography. And some of it is just living out here in suburbia kind of and sure not having the, you know, big city, you know, feel. But uh you know, have some opportunities maybe to to go to some larger cities and 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 do it and and try to be clandestine. And I'm I'm trying to think like how would you make that work like today? And I suppose you could kind of get away with um you know, with a lot of these cameras the, that the have flip the flip-up up LCDs, right? Yeah, that's exactly. exactly what you do. And if it's a and, small and enough the, camera, ideally a smaller a lens, small prime, yeah, something like a 35 millimeter equivalent or a 28 millimeter equivalent tends to be really good. And if you're fairly close to people and have a wide lens um, and you have autofocus going on or zone focusing, you can... You can disguise the fact that you're taking a photo pretty well, well. Well, yeah, think about this. I was just brainstorming right here. If you are looking down at a camera, okay, mm-hmm. in today's world of digital photography, people assume you're chimping. Bingo. And I've done it. Many <laughs> you know, times. Th- right. So they would assume that you're just looking at the back of your camera. You're reviewing- they don't expect you to be taking a photograph. Now, it's interesting. I didn't mention you know, on my trip, uh, my little weekend getaway to Estes Park, I was actually using my Nikon Z6. And the reason I was using it was because, as we mentioned a, a while back, we both had our Z6s converted to full spectrum. So I put the hot mirror filter in. I just used it as a natural light camera. And I was using my 40 millimeter F2. Mm-hmm. Quite compactable thing. I also brought my 28 millimeter um, 2.8. And just for fun, I brought the manual focus 1973 vintage 105.25 PC, mm-hmm. my adapter, which is a little harder to use. But with focus peaking, you can make it work. It's it's actually not as bad as, it, you know. Right. Um, you got to pay it a little bit more attention. But with a camera that size, no one's really looking at you that way. You know, don't have a big lens. That, you know, So I'm going to have to think about this more because one of the things we talked about when we started this segment was how can we draw inspiration for our own photography and hopefully for our listeners too right i mean Mm -hmm. that's the the idea um and you know looking at someone's photos and you say could i go downtown and today i'm going to be vivian mayer Mm -hmm. or whomever Mm -hmm. could you do it i think the answer is yes but it would take some practice um, but I, I, but I think that's a great exercise. I mean, mm-hmm. I think that would be a, a real good thing. Now, other things, um, uh, that are out there about Vivian Mayer, there is a documentary called finding Vivian Mayer. It was released in 2013, um, includes some of the, the adult children who she was caretaker for caregiver for, um, and there's even a Vivian Mayer scholarship fund that was established at the. Uh, School of the Art Institute of Chicago, and she was a Chicago, mostly She's a fabulous Chicago. art museum. Yeah, I, I really now I'm kind of itching to go back to Chicago. I haven't yeah. been since like 2015, and man, I need to go. Yeah. Saying, um, great city. Anything you, you want to add? No, just you know, it's a fascinating story, but you know, quite frankly, the images are more than enough. They're they're wonderful. They really are. Definitely yeah. take a look at her website, like you were mentioning, 
VivianMirror.com. That's M-A-I-E-R for those mm-hmm. keeping score at home. Um, okay. Well, um, if we left something out or if there's something you want to suggest uh, for us, we would love to hear your suggestions. We've gotten a couple. Um, just want to, if you've sent us some suggestions, trust us, we've received them. Um, we're just processing through everything and figuring out when we can get them onto the show. But in the meantime, you know where to find us, which is our Facebook page, facebook.com slash image doctors. And until next time, happy shooting. All right. Bye-bye.